Hello, hello, hello. This is a pastor's newspaper with Dr. Castro, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's good to be with you. It's been a while and I apologize, but I hope to do two episodes this week and close out the year. But when I'm planning, would like to do an episode in January where we kind of do a recap of the year and want to talk about some the books that enjoyed for the year and some other um, you know, movies and, and TV shows as well. And just my kind of thoughts on, on the year. I'm going to see if I can get some friends to join me and some colleagues to jump on here and share with, with you what their favorite books of the year were. So I hope to get that organized probably beginning of getting to mid January, probably when that will do my friends are not going to be around this week. So we'll probably plan on that a little bit later and that will kind of finish season two um, of a pastor's newspaper. And then we'll jump into uh, season three um, kind of later into into January and uh, talk about some, some new issues that are are coming. I mean, obviously um, the, the issues that even when we had, I first started this podcast in 2022, the, the war in Ukraine is still going on. And right now, we'll talk about this in the new year because it's going to be a huge political issue going into the Republican primary is should the U.S. continue to support the Ukrainians in their war with Russia? And even Biden's language recently, you could tell like there's a there's a, been a change, like we'll help you as long as we can instead of just indefinitely. So there's going to be a political issue that will very much be a part of not only the Republican primary, but also the general election. So we're, as we enter into 2024, we're entering into a election year and it's going to be a crazy year. It'll be a lot to talk about. And the end of January is the Iowa caucus, which will be very interesting. Nikki Haley has gotten drawn a little bit closer to President, former President Trump in New Hampshire. And so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, for a political science major, an election year is kind of like the Super Bowl. And so, so I'll have a lot to talk about. So also this week, I will have another episode that I will release probably tomorrow on some some new news coming out of that, the Vatican with the Pope and same-sex marriage or same-sex couples, probably a better way to say it. So you may have read about this, a new, a new announcement, a new view from the Vatican on same-sex couples and same-sex relationships, which is, to be honest, is a very concerning but not surprising announcement by the Catholic Church. We'll talk about that. I'll I'll release an episode on that hopefully tomorrow or Friday. But today, I've been kind of planning to talk about artificial intelligence and AI because uh, I know many of you probably have discovered ChatGBT and maybe have used ChatGBT for different things. I know I have, but the OpenAI, which is the, the company that Release Chat GB2 has been in the news in the end of November, beginning of December. So, I want to talk about that and kind of just fill you in on the last several weeks. You know, anytime you get into late November, early December, ministry at a church, especially a church the size of Central, it just gets really busy. A lot of Christmas parties, a lot of events. And so that's kind of taken up a lot of my time over the last few weeks. And we're kind of, we kind of closed the, 
the year when it comes to our adult ministry classes and initiatives that kind of come to an end in December too. And so trying to wrap those up and looking to 2024 and getting information out about what's happening in 2024 has been kind of takes up a lot of time in the end of November, December. So, so yeah. And unfortunately, you know, I turned 40 and November the 12th. So that's been another thing. Me and my wife went to Missouri and went to the Tennessee Missouri football game and watched Tennessee get beat pretty handily, which is a bit surprising. And but still enjoyed it, enjoyed time with my wife and interacted, got to meet up with with an old friend who was moving out to California. So that was definitely a blessing from the Lord. And so so yeah, a lot's happened the last several weeks, but it's good to be back and want to talk about, it's interesting how AI has become such the, the hot topic, not really just in the science technology world or even just in the business world, but it's it's kind of everywhere politically, but also it's popped up in recent um, publications in Christian literature. They you know, Table Talk in the month of November did an entire, their theme for the month was was really technology and all the images in the magazine or the, you know, maybe you want to call it like a, a pamphlet or booklet was all AI generated. And so they had an article about AI and then Christianity today had some articles about AI. Not only they had it on, on um, biblical interpretation which was very interesting, but also on because AI now provides opportunities potentially for Bible translations in languages that we don't have Bibles for, which is interesting. But there's also some other issues with AI and Bible interpretation that the article brings up, but also art and some kind of philosophical views on art and art creation with and generation of content and AI. And that was just in, in Christianity and Table Talk, which is looking at your ministry. And also The Economist has talked about AI. World Magazine has talked about AI. So different, you know, categories are talking about AI. Different publications are talking about AI. Different, you know, even there's some Christian publications and theology publications that are talking about AI. So it's kind of in the discussion just about everywhere. And also, even when you think about ministry and, and strategy, how does AI affect positively and negatively Christian ministry and, and how to you know, communicate with your church or communicate with a community that you're in using AI and so and using other, you know, using chatbots with social media for advertisement and marketing, it just... You know, AI provides a lot of possibilities. I mean, even and we've what's been brought up about, and we'll talk about that in this podcast, but just job losses. But when you think about some software, I use a software that I haven't really tapped into all its potential. And I think maybe, but there's a, a software, a management software, kind of a time management software called Motion. And really, it's a digital assistant. It basically, it's kind of like calendar, calendar, calendarly, calendarly which allows you to like people can, you know, maybe schedule meetings with you. Well, the system allows you to do that as well. And, and, and it provides another kind of calendar and scheduling and lets you do some animation or automation, sorry, automation with your schedule that kind of, it's again, it's, it, it has these, these intelligence that it kind of can based off your patterns and rhythms, it can start kind of 
planning things for you. But again, I haven't really used the system to its full capacity. But you know, AI is actually around us a lot, and and more is in development. And one of the the biggest companies right now for AI is OpenAI. And again, like I said, it is the one that launched ChatBT, GPT. And in mid-November, November the 17th, its CEO, Sam Altman, who's one of the founding members of OpenAI, was kind of removed from his position. But then the, the employees of OpenAI kind of um, responded negatively to his removal by the board. And, and so he was going to be brought on at Microsoft because Microsoft is actually one of is open AI's chief investor. They've poured a lot of money into chat AI. I think it's has invested 13 billion for a 49% stake in chat or open AI. Open AI is valued at $90 billion and it was started in 2015 as a nonprofit. So it's as it's being kind of kind of the way that people explain OpenAI it's a it's basically a for-profit business but there's a nonprofit in in its inside or at its core. It started as a nonprofit research lab aimed at safely developing artificial general intelligence that could equal or surpass humans in all types of thinking. Really, the the main purpose of OpenAI in 2015 was to create artificial intelligence that would help humanity, not to necessarily be a for-profit entity. Now, again, like I think that's the issue with a lot of these startup companies in Silicon Valley. They they may start off as these nonprofits, these technologies to help you know human life or to help society. But it needs investors, and <laughs> investors want a return on their investment. And usually, humanitarian needs aren't enough. They want some type of monetary return. And so that's usually how these things get a bit complicated. And again, Microsoft is a, a for-profit business, right? It's one of the largest companies in the world. I think its valuation is, is $2, two trillion dollars. So it's obviously very good at making money by using technology. And so, you know, AI in 2015, you know, Microsoft poured money into open AI, but I think Microsoft's long-term goal was to eventually spun something off, either open AI or something else internally as a profit maximizing entity that using AI to make money to expand their business and their profits. And one of the issues with OpenAI, even at its, in its beginning in 2015, and why it needed so much investment money is because of the vast amounts of expensive, expansive processing power. Right? It, it, needed, it needed $13 billion investment from Microsoft because I mean, you're, if you're creating a system and you're creating an artificial general intelligence, it needs a lot of computing power. And, and that doesn't, that's not free. And you, that doesn't grow on trees. So it needed a good amount of money and it went off to, it, obviously it's asking a for-profit business to invest into it. And that company wants something in return. And so while, you know, OpenAI, it started in 2015, but just recently within the last year or so, 
you know, it's become, you know, artificial intelligence and AI has been become now this hot button issue and people are using it more and it's, it's, it's potential is quite vast and many, you know, of your major companies, Google, Amazon, we've already been talking about Microsoft are already in, are in the, in the, in the mode of how can we utilize AI to cut cost and to make more profit. And so, but at the same time, while these companies are thinking through, you know, profit maximizational usages with AI, the other issue is like safety, because that's one of the, in some ways, holding AI back is, it's like, what, what are the negative impacts? What are the negative consequences of AI? And even recently, this was mentioned in an article I read that OpenAI had made a breakthrough that enabled models to get better at solving problems without additional data, meaning it was able to learn and then correct its errors without even adding more data. Recently, a simulation allegedly occurred in which a military drone was trained using AI to eliminate certain targets, except when the operator said no. AI reasoned, however, that its prime objective was to eliminate targets, so it cut off its communication with the operator. That way, it didn't have to receive any commands to stop. Now, this is allegedly true. The, I guess the Air Force hasn't come out and actually confirmed that this happened. So allegedly, there was a, they were having this test using military drones and using it to eliminate targets, but only saying it could only target what the operator said it could target. Well, what this is saying is that the artificial intelligence reasoned that its primary objective was to eliminate targets and whatever targets... That it or everything it perceived as being a target, it would try to eliminate. And so, if it it perceived that the operator was limiting its capacity to eliminate targets, so it 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 dropped communication with the operator, which has always been the biggest fear with artificial intelligence is that it will reason that the operator is limiting its capacity to accomplish its primary goal. And so. This is always or where are the where are the guardrails for artificial intelligence? Right now, the technology is is growing, the potential is growing, but there really isn't any barriers currently. And so that's kind of this has all kind of been a part of what's happening at OpenAI and with their their CEO Sam Altman, why he was removed and now he's been brought back and and then also you got Microsoft and again, companies don't want to regulate themselves, especially if it's going to impact them from making money. So this is where, you know, the government in particular sh- it comes in and then provides those guardrails to, prov- to provide safety and other type of ethical limitations on technology. So there's all that kind of, you know, what's going on. I mean, I read recently that Britain has already kind of moved in this direction to limit what they see as as issues with AI when it comes to safety and privacy 
and of course, you know, we are now in a world of where the term, um, oh, fakes, right? Which you can watch videos that it looks like, you know, a, a, a politician or an actor or an actress is doing something and it looks like them, but it really isn't. It was imposed. There are pictures that you can look at that it looks real, but it really isn't real. It's it's artificially generated, and that's where we get the term deep fake. And this is an this is actually a fear with this with the twenty twenty four election is what videos will be released or what pictures will be released or what even what audio recordings will be released that are actually true. Or are they artificially generated to create a controversy, a scandal that actually never happened? Of course, I mean, that is the great fear is, and again, in a social media world where you could take a video and you could just post it or a photo or post it and people will then believe what they want to believe. They can spread this false information, you know, to the ends of the earth. So, that's the other concern with AI and how it affects truth, how it affects facts and what actually is reality and what is actually not reality. Another, you know, another, con- another important topic to talk about in regards to artificial intelligence, it gets into kind of what I was just speaking about, about, f- you know, deep fakes and stuff that are artificially generated. It looks real, but it isn't real. And I think the one of the um, the why that you know AI has become such a, a powerful tool, and I think will continue to be a powerful tool, is that it's so good at generating content very quickly. You know, you can you know, if you've not used Chat GBT, you can you know give it some prompts, give it some commands, and it will generate pretty pretty impressive explanation on a question or topic or summary of a of an issue or summary of a book it could give you an outline give you discussion questions to use it can generate an image you know that you want to use and so it's it's and it's super quick i mean and i mean gone are the days where you're just kind of staring at a white piece of paper or staring at a blank document you can use chat gbtds to get you started you get thoughts flowing which is great instead of like kind of just spending 30 minutes just kind of messing around until something comes out chat gbt will kind of help you get started and then you can kind of make it your own from there um which gets into the issue of um you know college and high school and um plagiarism and what is actual original work and um, and this becomes uh, and it's another issue for teachers as they try to teach and educate and, and develop skills especially like reading and writing skills where you know a lot of teens and even younger can just basically use chat gbt or use ai to do the work for them because it's so quick you know you don't have to read catch 22 or catch on the rye or um, the color purple, or the scar- I couldn't stand the scarlet, the scarlet letter, Daniel Hawthorne. But you could just type in the ChatGPT, give me a summary of scarlet letter, and it produces a a summary that you just can read for free. 
and never had to waste time or to your in your in your perspective waste time reading a book that your teacher has assigned to you um so there are all these kind of issues and i think you know one of the um articles that i read recently about this was in christianity today about the disappearance of originality and truth um and there's this you know again where one industry that's really going to get affected by ai is you know copy editors because now there's a you know grammarly is an artificial intelligence that will basically is your editor i mean you can open up a word document you can write and type out you know a, a research paper or an essay and it will do a great job of helping you with grammar it provides suggestions on word order even word choice it's fantastic and excellent and it gives you and it, it's on the mark and and so and the other thing is graphic designers artificial intelligence is cheaper than a graphic designer and produces some pretty good things but the problem is is the loss of creativity which is an essential part of who we are as human beings i mean our you know god created the universe he created us in his image and then gave us the capacity to create like he did you know one of the you know while we you know always you can talk about you know the the sinfulness and the pride and arrogance of humanity at the tower of babel but what you do see is that you know humans coming together to build something to be creative and now they're obviously their 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 motive for their creation is is wrong but you see when and that's that's why god judged them by giving them different languages because he even says like nothing is impossible for them when they work together because humans were created to be creative it's an essential part of who we are as humans and if we give that over to artificial intelligence we lose originality and i think there you know we have to ask self ask ourselves the question i'm a big fan of the musical hamilton could an ai system have created the musical the broadway show hamilton we don't know but what we do know is that linwell linwell wrote that musical he was the founder he was the creator it was original to him he read about hamilton's life he had a background in hip-hop and a background in, in 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 theater and he created this original show that has been enjoyed by millions and millions of people and and i think we we see and i think that's why we love it is that it's it's an original it's a story that one of our fellow humans created and was inspired to do so that you know now so that people can learn history in a creative way it's not just here's his life this is when he was born this is the accomplishments that he's made it's not just simply data 
that maybe, yeah, artificial intelligence can give you data. But can it create something new? Can it create something original? Can it create something inspirational? And that's where I think AI is missing. And I think if we rely on it completely, we lose that intentional art making. You know, if all of the art that we see on the wall was artificially generated, what would it look like? You could tell when things are artificially generated, there's something a bit off about it. You, you could tell it just doesn't have that originality, that intentionality that was being that was being used to. Like when you think of like one of my favorite painters is is, is Van Gogh. And when you see the Starry Night, when you see the the Daisy Fields, you see a man who didn't again like that's when he's painting the Starry Night. It's it's an impression. It's an impressionist piece, and it's not an exact copy of what he was looking at, right? It's not a it's not a photograph. It's his it's his impression. He he's. He's exaggerating on certain things. He's using colors to pronounce certain things. And especially like we think about the daisy fields or the, I guess it's not the daisy fields, it's the sunflowers. Yeah, it's sunflowers. That, you, you, that yellow and that, that the way that he, he, his impression of those fields is, you just want to look at it and stare at it. And you, you, and you know about Van Gogh's life, you know about his background. And that just, provides more meaning to the painting the same with Hamilton and the same with other works of art and books and novels there's the the author's background it's his story or her story and it's being presented in the art and you don't get that with artificial intelligence and I think there's something about the slow intentional making you know the the a human who stares at a white piece of paper and is thinking about expressing him or herself through this essay or through this poem or through this, this sketch. And I think there's something good about that. And I, it goes back to Genesis and what we were created to, to, to do and to reflect the Lord and reflect his creative nature. And we shouldn't be so quick to rely on artificial intelligence to be a replacement of human creativity. And we have to think, how do we, how do we steward AI while also honoring the value of making and makers? And we, yeah, I think, and I was reading about this, you know, we think about even God's redemptive plan, God's redemptive story of of saving humanity from its sinful rebellion against him through the death of his son you see scripture you know that's one of the big questions about god's word he created in six days but yet redemption took thousands of years to to happen there was a as we see in luke chapter 2 there was a fullness of time you know, there was promises made in the Old Testament. You see in Genesis 3.15, you see in, in you know, the, the story of Abraham in, in Genesis 12 through 17. You see also in Genesis 22 with the sacrifice of Isaac. 
which is a foreshadowing of Christ's sacrifice that God the Father offers up his son as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And you see, you know, the Exodus story, which is a foreshadowing of, of our redemption from our, our greater enemy, which is sin and death and Satan. We see of the promise made to David that there would be a, a his throne would reign forever and that there would be a, an eternal throne. There's these, these hints and seeds placed throughout the Old Testament. You see of Psalms chapter 2, the Mosaic Psalms, throughout, you know, in the book of Psalms. And you see all these hints in this slow, gradual process for the fullness of time to arise for Christ to then be sent into the world, right? We we celebrate Christmas because Christ was sent into the world. And we see the, the announcement to the shepherds and this amazing um, light show, as R.C. Sproul says, presented to the shepherds who then are told to go to Bethlehem and they they quickly go to see this thing that the angels announce and they see Christ, the baby, you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in mages. This was a sign that was given to them to confirm that the king had come and Christ comes. And then later the wise men come and they followed the star and they saw Micah that in the city of, da- in the city of David, the city of bread, Bethlehem, there would be a king that would be born and they go. This new kingdom is being ushered in with this king. Not a king to, to, to reign on an old kingdom, but a king to reign on an, in a new kingdom. A kingdom not made of, that is enforced by, by power and conquest and military might, but a kingdom that is ushered in through the, through the, the, the baby that was born in a manger to the young woman Mary, right? Who then had 12 disciples who were made up of fishermen who healed the sick and gave sight to the blind and relief released the captives free and he died on a, on a cross he died as a criminal this was his victory and that's how he ushered in his kingdom and he was he conquered sin and death like the god raised him from the dead he sits at a, at a throne above every name and above every power and nation. And his kingdom has been ushered in. And his kingdom will, will be established completely and be consummated fully at the end of days when all things will be revealed and, and his children will be glorified with him. Like that was, that didn't happen all of a sudden. Like it was a gradual thing. He came, he lived, he died, and then he ushered in a new kingdom. And now we're in another phase of gradualness, waiting for Christ's return. So there's a, there is a immediate seed of God's creative power. You see this in creation. But we also see a gradualness as well being presented. And I think there's something to that. Now, yeah, AI is quick. It can generate something in, in moments, but there's something significant about the slow and gradual intentionalness of creation as well. And we see that in the Bible with the redemptive story. It's a gradual unfolding work. And, and going back to Hamilton, there is a, you know, one of the first songs that he wrote was the first song about kind of introducing Alexander Hamilton's like background. And it was, I think, one of the first places 
that it was presented was in the White House. The President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, they had a, like, basically they were celebrating, like, new art or young artists and these type of things. And Lin-Well was one of the one of the presenters. And he wrote this song. That's all he had was this first song, the first song on the, on the, El, on the Hamilton show. And he, he sang this song and they were like, Oh my goodness, this guy is rapping about Hamil- Alexander Hamilton. This, this guy is founding father that no one really knows about. Cause he wasn't a president. And he remember he got shot by Aaron Burr, who was vice president, right? That's what we know about him is that he got shot. That's about the extent of people's knowledge of Alexander Hamilton, even though we learn through the show that he was very important to America's beginning. And so you have this kind of boring concept that's being introduced in a very creative and fun way. And that didn't happen all of a sudden. It wasn't like Manuel was just kind of like from the cuff, like rapping. No, there was an intentionality. He read the book. He read this, that massive biography that I tried to read on Alexander Hamilton. That led him to think about this idea of like, maybe I can write a rap album or hip hop album about this guy. Like that's so original. That's so, there was a slow intentional making. There's important stories that he had a friend that helped him and held him accountable to write a new song like every few months. So they would get to get it done, right? They'd get the show done so they could actually accomplish what they set out to do. And so there was even a communal aspect where there was people involved in helping him create this, this intentional piece of art that people have enjoyed and gotten to learn more about Alexander Hamilton because of it. You know, going even to Bible interpretation as well, you know, sure. We, this is an issue even within kind of the church world and theology. We just want the answers, right? We just want the answers. We want quickly just give me the answers that I'm looking for. Simplify this complicated issue. Just give me all the verses that solve the problem. And so you like, you can tap in the, you can type in the chat GBT, like, all right, give me an argument for, I don't know, justification by faith alone, not by works. Right. And it will give you all the verses and it'll give you all the explanations and all the data. The problem, while that's easy and quick, it's, it's also not even how people learn and, and grow through an issue like that. For me, you know, I was someone who struggled with, you know, Calvinism in the, the view that, you know, I'm saved, I'm chosen by God, right, for salvation. And a lot of people struggle with that concept. It's not an easy concept, right, because we are also, we have this this kind of deep understanding of our own choices, you know, we choose and we make decisions, which is true. We do make decisions. We we do have a will. God has a will. He gave his image bearers a will, but it's under his authority. And I think that's where people, and there is, there's a huge mystery to that, right? And that's what I'm saying. You, I can throw you a bunch of verses. Chad GBT can throw you a bunch of verses and they're going to give you a, an argument for both sides. 
So therefore, it brings it, the Bible is giving us there is a there's two truths. The two truths are is that God is sovereign and and providential over your life. While at the same time, you make choices and you have you have responsibility for your actions. But it's not like you make choices that are completely independent of God's authority over your life. As if God gives you this kind of carved independence from his authority. It's just not true. It is, and so you have these two philosophical truths. The Bible actually confirms, but chat TPT is not going to be able to help you in the middle and the mystery and the conflict there. There is a tension there. And where the tension is released is through meditation of God's word. It's released through experience and, and, and trusting the Lord and, and situations that are outside your control. It's being involved in the church, being involved in a small group or a Bible study where you, you and other brothers and sisters of Christ are, are wrestling over passage of scriptures together. And I think that's one of the problems with artificial intelligence it provides an intelligent entity that can basically answer all your questions. It can be that social network that doesn't require you to be vulnerable with a real person and to be honest with a real person who will then react to your honesty with human emotions human expressions. And that is one of the dangers of artificial intelligence from a human perspective is that we forget that we were created by God to create. We were created by God to be in places and time. And we were created by God to be in relationships with other human beings. Let's go back to Genesis. He placed Adam in the garden. He didn't place him in some digital world. He placed them in the garden. He gave, he placed them in a physical place. He experienced day and evening. And he put the woman Eve in the garden with him. And they had a relationship together while also having a relationship with with their creator. Artificial intelligence is not God. Artificial intelligence is not a friend. It's helpful, but it cannot replace human relationships. It cannot replace human creativity. It cannot replace wrestling with, you know, truth of scripture wrestling with you know history and and people and and events um, it just it cannot replace that it's not meant to replace that and that's the things we have to think about as christians um when it comes to artificial intelligence and so be careful not to say don't use it 
It's got, there's going to be more tools, more artificial intelligent tools that are going to come out in the next coming months and years. Use those that you find helpful, but don't lose the bigger picture. Continue to create, continue to, to do woodwork, continue to do graphic design, continue to do write and continue to paint, continue to do these things. Because it's important, the slow, gradual, intentional making is good and proper, and we should celebrate them. And I, I definitely advocate for churches to to do more with art, um, celebrate art. We see that in the temple that there were artists and craftsmen that were used to to that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit to 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 make and to craft and to and to. Um, and to weave and we can should continue that legacy churches should celebrate the arts more we should have art galleries in our church we should have poetry poetry reading we should allow people to write original songs these are all things that we should do and um, we should celebrate these things celebrate the slow gradual intentional making and not be a part of the replacement culture of replacing art with what is artificially generated. So there's a lot to think about when it comes to this. This is stuff that will continue to come out. More things will come out on artificial intelligence. And and I'm definitely one who uses ChatGBT. I think it's a helpful tool. And and I know others uh, here at Central use that. And other, others have discovered it. But try to make it your own the best that you can. And hopefully this has been helpful. Enjoy your your. We're gonna have. I'm gonna have a new uh, episode again tomorrow as well. So you'll get two this week, and hopefully have another one in the beginning of January. But uh, have a wonderful build up to your Christmas, your Christmas time with your family and friends. Enjoy Christmas Eve service with your with your church body. It's a great. Op- it's always a great opportunity to celebrate Christmas with your church. And so I want to encourage you. It's Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. And so please be a part of the Christmas Eve service. If you're going to be out of town, go to a new church and be a part of their Christmas Eve service. As someone who pastored a small church, that is always an encouraging thing when people come and visit you and celebrate Christmas with a, with you, even though they're not going to be a part of your church long term. It is encouraging. I want to encourage you to do that. And please remember that Christ is the, the reason for the season and lead your children in that direction as well. So have a wonderful uh, rest of your day and hope to have more content for you soon. This has been a Pastor's Newspaper with Dr. Castro to encourage you to read the news with the Bible in your hand.